welcome to dollars and cents with a couple of gents making money moves with the finest of gents come and pull up a seat because we're proud to present how to make some good decisions when you're on the fence rob and steve gonna tell you how to do it the best hello welcome welcome to episode two of dollars and cents with a couple of gents i am one of the gents steven ellis and i'm the other gent robert wolfson remember that you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, and tune in by alexa you've probably figured that out already being that you're listening but uh, i thought we'd mention it anyway also remember to subscribe tell your friends family neighbors co-workers yeah we we're interested to hear what you want us to talk about so please contact us for topic ideas for future podcasts and you can find our contact information on our website ellisfinancialgroup.ca there you go all that stuff out of the way all that stuff out of the way and if you did miss our first episode an introduction to behavioral finance please have a listen And for today's episode, we're going to discuss tax-free savings accounts, most commonly referred to as TFSAs. Yeah, not TSFAs, as we often hear people refer to, switching around that S and that F. I don't know why that happens, but it seems to be pretty common to get those those two letters. It is common. It's strange, for sure. Yeah. Okay, Rob, so let's start at the beginning and talk about what a TFSA is and who can contribute. For sure. The TFSA is the acronym for tax-free savings account, and it's really just the umbrella term for the type of investment portfolio, similar to an RRSP, or a Registered Retirement Savings Plan. Residents of Canada aged 18 and older are able to contribute to a TFSA annually. Although you cannot open a TFSA or contribute to one until you do turn 18, you will be able to contribute up to the full dollar limit for that year once you do make a contribution. Now let's look at an example of that. Julie, who turns 18 on July 13th. Hold on a second, Rob. Hold on. Julie, you don't have a funny name for this particular investor? <laughs> yeah, good point. Not not for this one. We'll think of a funny name in our later examples. Okay. So Julie turns 18 on July the 13th. She will not be able to open or contribute to a TFSA until that date. However, she can contribute the full dollar limit for the year in which she turned 18. So this year, so once she opens it up, she will have the full amount, not a prorated amount. And another thing uh, to consider as well uh, is that in provinces where the age of majority is 19, so Newfoundland and Labrador, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, British Columbia, Northwest Territories, and Yukon and Nunavut, um, that may actually delay the opening of the TFSA until that individual turns 19, but you still accumulate uh, contribution room starting at age 18. Yeah, that's correct, because the the limit of 18 is a federal law, but obviously some provinces have different ages of majority. Okay, so we've talked about who can contribute to a TFSA. Now let's talk a bit about how much individuals can contribute. Yes, and we'll take a look at both from an annual contribution level and also from a total cumulative perspective. For every year for which you are 18 years or older, dating back to 2009, TFSA contribution room accumulates every year. It is important to note that you must have a valid social insurance number in order to make a tax-free savings account contribution. Now, the annual TFSA dollar limit for each of the first four years from 2009 to 2012 was $5,000 each year, which starts out at $20,000 total. The limit was increased for 2013 and 2014 to 5,500. So for those two years, that's an additional $11,000. There was one larger increase in 2015 by the Conservative government to $10,000. This was, however, reduced back by the Liberal Finance Minister 
to the previous amount of 5,500 for the three years of 2016, 2017, and 2018. So for those three years, that's an additional $16,500. Then for last year and this year of 2020, the current limit is $6,000 for $12,000. So for those of you who weren't listening with your calculator next year, next to your side, that's a total cumulative dollar limit from 2009 to 2020 if you were able to contribute in each of the years of $69,500. Thanks, Rob, for doing that math for, for our listeners. We know a lot of you are probably listening in your car, and the last thing we want is you on your calculators when you're supposed to be concentrating uh, on driving. And just imagine a police officer pulling up beside you, yelling at you to get off your phone and looking over and going, it's not a phone, it's a calculator. It's a calculator. How would that go? It wouldn't go very well. <laughs> I think it's the same thing. You still get a ticket for that. I think so. Anyway, I digress. My apologies for interrupting, Rob. Back to you. All right, so the annual TFSA limit will be indexed periodically to inflation and rounded to the nearest 500. And we did experience that twice already, initially when it was raised from 5000 to $500, and then most recently when it was increased from 5500 to the current level of $6,000. Also, one thing to note is if the value of your investments change throughout the year after you've made your contribution, that does not impact how much you contribute the following year. So a simple example of this, Steve, would be, say you contributed $6,000 last year, and that value grew to $7,000. That does not mean that you have $1,000 less this year to contribute. You still get that full $6,000 contribution for the current year. Okay, so we want to make a few other points related to contributions uh, to TFSAs. And perhaps what we'll do is relate them to RSPs. We often get questions about how contributions are taxed, for example, and how that may differ from RSPs. So let's start there, Rob. How are TFSA contributions uh, treated for income tax purposes? Yeah, for sure. They're, they're both registered plans, so they are similar in some respects, but they're also very different. With regards to contributions to a TFSA, they are not deductible for income tax purposes but all of the investment growth and income inside the TFSA will not be taxed. And that differs from RSPs in that the contributions are deductible for income tax purposes. However, growth and income earned within the RSP is tax sheltered until it's withdrawn, at which time you are taxed at your marginal tax rate. So another key difference between the two plans is that you do not need to have earned income to contribute to a tax-free savings account which differs from an RSP in that you do need to have earned income and your contribution limit actually depends on that income. Yeah, that's right. And also there's no maximum age limit for making a tax-free savings contribution. Which differs from an RSP where you can only contribute until age 71. Right, and as I mentioned earlier when I was going through the limits, any unused tax-free savings account contribution room can be carried forward to future years. So. If you don't use it, you don't lose it. And Rob, that's actually the same as with an RSP. Any unused contribution room does carry forward indefinitely. You can also withdraw funds from a tax-free savings account at any time for any purpose. You can do the same for an RSP, uh, but it is important to note that those withdrawals from a TFSA are not taxable as opposed to an RSP where they would be taxable. Right. The amount withdrawn can be put back into a TFSA at a later date without reducing your contribution room. You just need to wait until the new calendar year to do so. And that differs from an RSP in that if you withdraw from an RSP, you don't get the room back. There are special circumstances where you can actually recontribute, such as the first-time home buyer's plan. But generally speaking, 
you don't get that room back and cannot recontribute that amount. Another point is neither the income earned in a TFSA nor the withdrawals will affect your eligibility for federal income tested benefits programs such as OAS, guaranteed income supplement, or employment insurance or EI benefits. They will not be reduced as a result of the income you earn in your TFSA or the amount that you withdraw from your TFSA. Right, and it is worth noting without going into too much detail that withdrawals from RSPs, being that they are considered income, can affect eligibility for those same programs. Right, and one other point that we wanted to, to bring up as well uh, is you can give your spouse or common law partner money to contribute to their own TFSA without having that amount or any of the earnings from that amount being attributed back to you. But one note of caution, however, is that you cannot contribute directly into a TFSA for an adult child. Yeah, we do that. get that question quite often, actually. Yeah, for sure. It's generous parents, a lot of you out there. Okay, Rob, so we've talked about contribution limits and we've talked about who can make a contribution. Uh, and that sounds really simple, but it, in some cases, isn't quite as simple uh, cases such as when someone's making a withdrawal from a TFSA. So maybe let our listeners know how to determine their own individual TFSA contribution room. For sure, there are a couple steps, but before I do that, we always recommend that you, you refer to your own MyCRA account to see what your contribution room is, as they will track all of your contributions to date plus any withdrawals. So the, the formula is to calculate is you take your current annual limit, which is the current year, less any contributions you may have made since January 1st, depending on where we're at in the year, plus any unused room that has carried forward from previous years that you have not used, plus any withdrawals made from your TFSA in previous years as you are allowed to recontribute. Rob, here's a question we get quite often. Can I only use cash to make my contributions or can I move other investments from my other portfolios into my TFSA? Of course, transferring money or writing a check from a bank account or doing an e-transfer now, if you're comfortable, is most common. But for those who have a regular non-registered investment portfolio, you can also make what we call an in-kind contribution to your tax-free savings account using investments without actually selling them or as reference what we call an in-kind contribution. To note though, however, even though we're not actually physically selling the security, you will be considered to have disposed of the stock or investment at its current market value at the time of the contribution. If that market value is more than what you paid for it or your initial cost base, you will have to report a capital gain on your income tax uh, return. Uh, quite simply, you're taking a dollar of capital, which has grown to say $1.30, and you're getting $1.30 of contribution. So you do have to pay your capital gains tax. It is, however, important to note though, uh, if you are in a capital loss position, you are not allowed to uh, claim the capital loss. So in other words, you really want to pay attention or have your advisor really pay attention to what you're moving in kind uh, to see if it's in a gain uh, or loss position. Yeah, exactly, because there could be tax implications for making that contribution if you are in a capital gain position. Another question we get, Rob, as you know quite often is, uh, can I transfer investments in kind from my RSP to my TFSA? Yeah, we do get that asked that a lot, and if it makes sense to, to do so. And generally, the answer is no. The reason being is because both the RSP and the tax-free savings account, as we explained earlier, they're both registered portfolios. So you, you will actually need to make an RSP withdrawal uh, from those investments in the RSP. They'll be classified as a taxable withdrawal, so you'll need to pay income tax. And then once that net amount after tax is placed into 
say your non-registered portfolio, then you need to now recontribute back in. And really while you're invested in both the RSP and the TFSA, you're getting the same tax sheltering of capital gains or investment income. So really it's very similar other than you have to pay tax to take it out to recontribute it into another tax sheltered portfolio. So in short, it can be done. You can contribute in kind. Uh, what would have to happen would be that the, the investment that you're moving or that you'd like to move into the TFSA is withdrawn to your non-registered account. Uh, you would also need to have enough cash to be withdrawn to pay the tax, the withholding tax on that investment into the non-registered account and then it goes uh, to the TFSA from there. So it is a bit of a process. The benefit of doing it uh, if you're paying commission uh, on, on an investment rather than selling it, uh, you might look to do it that way. Yeah, and there are some special situations like all, all things in life. So maybe you have a lower income earning year and so as much as you know that you will have to pay some tax on that withdrawal, maybe you're okay to do it to pay some tax this year while you know your income will be low and then still shelter the future growth and earnings on, the, on that capital. Right, uh, so another question we often get is not necessarily in regards to contributions, but rather transfers between TFSAs. So an individual has two TFSAs at two different institutions and they're looking to consolidate. Rob, maybe you can touch a little bit on, uh, on that process. Yeah, it's very easy to do. Uh, you definitely can transfer from one institution to another and it would not be considered a withdrawal, therefore there's no tax consequences. You would just need to contact the inst your uh, your institution and sign complete a transfer form. That way they can do that for you. It is noteworthy to do it the proper way because if you happen to withdraw the one amount with the intention to just recontribute to your second institution, that however would be a withdrawal and a recontribution. So Rob, that's perhaps a, a good segue. Uh, you mentioned withdrawing and recontributing to a TFSA. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that process and how that works. Yeah, so depending on the type of investment that you hold inside your TFSA, which we're going to get into here shortly, you can generally withdraw an amount, uh, any amount from your TFSA at any time. Some guaranteed investment certificates or GICs, you may need to wait until the term is expired, but the majority of investments are saleable right away. It is important to note that withdrawing funds from your TFSA does not reduce the total amount of contributions you have already made for the year. You can replenish any amount you happen to take out of a TFSA However, the withdrawals made from your TFSA in the current year will only be added back to your TFSA room at the beginning of next year. So here's an example. Let's assume an investor, let's call her Amanda. She's contributed. Disappointing, Rob, still no funny name. All right, I'll work on that for our next one. I promise, <laughs> I promise. So let's assume Amanda has contributed the maximum TFSA dollar amount each year into her TFSA since inception, but she's not yet made her contribution yet for this year. So in April, she needs to take out $5,000 to cover an unexpected expense. So in September, she now wants to put that money back in. So she has $11,000, the $6,000 for this year, plus the $5,000 that she took out earlier in the spring. So this will completely replenish and top up her portfolio. She can contribute her $6,000 for 2020, but she unfortunately has to wait until next year, 2021, to recontribute the $5,000 she took out. Okay, hopefully that makes sense to everybody. Uh, let's move on here now and talk about what types of investments you can put in a TFSA. Yeah, I just mentioned one obviously with a guaranteed investment certificate or what we call GICs, but generally any investment that 
is eligible for an RSP is also eligible for a tax-free savings account. So things such as cash, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, any security listed on a designated exchange that's simply stock, you know, so shares of companies, both domestic and foreign, uh, any other types of bonds uh, or other fixed income types of, types of investments. Obviously, these will be limited by what your plan provider can offer you, uh, but there's many different options for a TFSA, for sure. So Rob, you mentioned investing in foreign companies within a TFSA, and there are some limitations in doing so. Maybe you can touch on one of those in particular. Yeah, this is one commonly uh, unknown fact about TFSAs, and we do get asked all the time about buying good quality, uh, high dividend paying American companies with inside a tax-free savings account, if it's smart to do so. The answer is, Generally, we don't advise it because the growth for sure is tax sheltered, but the dividends on all non-Canadian companies are unfortunately not tax exempt. So we do recommend owning your U.S. dividend paying companies either inside your RSP or your non-registered investment portfolio. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean you don't want to own U.S. investments inside a TFSA, but you just need to, to look at whether or not they're dividend paying. Yeah, exactly. So let's take one example. Amazon, amazing company, doing really well. Uh, it doesn't pay dividend. It's pure for growth, so that's great. Your growth on your capital is tax-sheltered, and they don't pay dividend, so that's okay. Okay, so on to the next area we want to discuss, and it's an area that, of course, no one really likes talking about, but it does happen, and that is losses incurred within a TFSA. Rob, maybe you can let us know what happens uh, if I experience a loss within my TFSA. That is a great question, Steve, because depending on the type of investment held in your TFSA, you unfortunately may incur a loss in your original investment or your original contribution. Any investment losses within a TFSA are not considered a withdrawal, and therefore they cannot be added back to be part of your contribution room. So let's do an example. All right, you wanted a funny uh, investor, so let's call this investor Mr. Robin Banks. <laughs> great. So Robin opens up a TFSA on March 20th, 2019 and he invests $5,000 in stocks. Now during the year, the value of his stocks decreased and as of December 31st at year end, the actual market value of the stocks was reduced down all the way down to $1,000. So as a result, uh, Mr. Banks decided to withdraw the $1,000 left in his account and close his TFSA. Now the $4,000 loss that Robin incurred during the year is not considered a withdrawal. The only amount that would be part of his TFSA contribution room is that $1,000 that was the actual amount that was withdrawn when he closed his TFSA. And of course to note, since when you make money, you do not need to pay capital gains tax within the TFSA, but unfortunately the same holds true. So when Robin lost his $4,000, that's also not uh, a capital loss that he can claim. So Rob, if Mr. Banks lost 80% of his investment, I think it's safe to say he didn't have the proper asset allocation in place. It is pretty safe to say, Steve. Yeah, and I think his first mistake clearly was not investing with us. We would have made sure that his asset allocation was in order. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, the next point we want to talk about is uh, non-residents of, of Canada. So what happens if I'm a non-resident of Canada and I'm looking at contributing to a TFSA or have contributed to a TFSA previously? Yeah, not as common, but for sure this does happen. Uh, and there are a few different scenarios to discuss around the issue of non-residency. It can be complex, but so we'll try to keep it simple. Uh, you may be considered a non-resident for tax purposes if you meet either of the following conditions. You normally, customarily, or routinely live in another country and are not considered a resident of Canada. 
you do not have residential ties in Canada, and either one of the following situation applies. You live outside of Canada throughout the tax year, and that you stay in Canada for less than 183, 183 days in the tax year. So even if you no longer live in Canada, you may have what they call residential ties in Canada that are sufficient for you to be considered a factual or deemed resident. In these cases, the regular rules apply for opening a TFSA. So these residential ties include a home in Canada, a spouse or common law partner or dependents in Canada, personal property such as a car or furniture, Canadian driver's license, Canadian bank accounts or credit cards, hospitalization and medical insurance coverage from a province or territory in Canada. Now, if you become a non-resident or considered to be non-resident for income tax purposes, you will, however, be allowed to keep your TFSA and you will not be taxed on any earnings uh, in the account or on withdrawals from it, just like before. But however, no further contribution will accrue for any year throughout which you are a non-resident. And any withdrawals made during the period that you were a non-resident will be added back to your TFSA contribution in the following year, but will only be available if you do re-establish your residency for tax purposes. So you can contribute to a TFSA up to the date that you become a non-resident, and the annual TFSA dollar limit is not prorated, so you still get that full amount for the year of your emigration or immigration. However, if you make a contribution while you're not a resident, you will be subject to a 1% tax for each month the contribution stays in the account. And Rob, maybe you can touch on a U.S. citizen living and working in Canada. Yeah, unfortunately the IRS does view the Canadian TFSA as a foreign trust. Therefore, a U.S. citizen is subject to complicated annual tax forms with the IRS. And to make matters worse, the TFSA income is taxable in the United States. So bottom line is don't have one if you're a U.S. citizen living in Canada. Yeah, there's really no benefit. Okay, we have one final point to discuss. Now, we both know, Rob, that there are two certainties in life, while three if you include the fact that you have a knack for coming up with funny names for investors, <laughs> uh, but two for most people, and that is death and taxes. Now, we've talked about some of the tax implications associated with TFSAs. Uh, Rob, maybe you can discuss what happens if an owner of a TFSA passes away. Right, so since the TFSAs are considered a registered account, you can specifically name a beneficiary so that it's not distributed as per your estate or your will. A TFSA holder can name a spouse or common law partner as their successor holder. And on death of the holder, the assets are combined tax-free into the surviving spouse's account. This will not affect their contribution room. Now, if some other person other than the spouse or common law partner is named, they would be considered a beneficiary and the account is no longer a TFSA and the assets are removed. So the best way to describe the difference is that a beneficiary would get the money, but a successor holder would get the account. So as a side note, if you've got a surviving spouse that now has the consolidated account, so let's say for example, just to make it simple, each account holder had 20,000, now the surviving spouse has the full 40. If that individual were to withdraw the full 40,000 from that account, they can then recontribute that 40,000 back. So any withdrawals are done essentially the same way they would be if that individual had accumulated that amount on their own. Well, I think that about covers it, Rob. Uh, I think we've covered a lot of points as it pertains to TFSAs. Of course, if there's anything we didn't cover or any clarification you need, you can find our contact details at ellisfinancialgroup.ca. You can also find us on Twitter 
We're at Ellis Group YYC and on LinkedIn at Ellis Financial Group. That's right. And of course, listen for our next episode. Be sure to subscribe. It's really easy. You just got to push that button. Just got to click the button. Click the button and you'll get uh, episodes and that way you don't need to keep track. They'll just show up for you. It's very simple. And of course, reach out to us. We want to know what you want us to talk about. So please uh, send us some topics. And we promise for our next episode, Rob will have a few more funny names for our hypothetical investors. (laughs) Challenge accepted. So once again, I am Stephen Ellis. And I am Robert Wolfson. And we are a couple of gents. We'll talk to you again soon.